you, ladies, for that wonderful song, by the way. That was awesome. And thank you, Sue, for reading the scripture. As you know, I always like to encourage you guys to, to read and, and, and pray. Uh, the passage I'd like to encourage you guys to read is Romans 8.13. Just focus on Romans 8.13. It tells you how to deal with the sin in your life. It just means, trust Jesus. Look to Jesus. Just keep, don't, just look to Jesus. He's the one that will overcome it for you. It's Romans 8.13. I encourage you guys, I hope you're praying with someone, hope there's someone in your life that you're able to pray with and open up to each other and just to be for words of encouragement. And then also, pray that maybe there'll be an opportunity to share the word of God through whatever means, texting, writing a, a note, an email, whatever way. There are so many manners or ways of going about it. Pray that God will use you and he'll provide the right words for you to say. You're probably thinking of someone right now, maybe, like, well, oh, maybe they need... Pray about it. Ask God to do it so they'll, under, that they'll see the gospel and not you. And they'll see Jesus Christ. So let's go now to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today just asking uh, your blessing to be placed upon us, Lord, in that we're able to trust in you even more than we already have. And maybe if someone doesn't know you, they'll be able to come to know you. God, you are a mighty God, and truly we do not deserve anything good from you. But in Christ, we have everything. Lord, this world is a messy place. It is a messed up place. A lot of horrible things going on. Thank you so much for sending your son to give us hope. We pray now, Lord, that you be with all the missionaries and, and all the, the, the preachers and teachers and, and all the leaders involved of, of bringing your word out to the people, Lord. We pray you'd be with all the Christians out there that they too will be able to bring out your word and to encourage one another, especially in the places where it's, it's dangerous to even walk outside. God, we are in this together. We are your one church under your name. And though we gather in different places in different ways, we still gather under the Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be encouraged in that. And to know that your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts and that we can take comfort in that because you got it all covered. We just need to trust in you because we are covered by your son's blood. Lord, we also too ask that you convict us of our sins. If there's anything in our life, Lord, that we're hiding in our hearts and our minds, if there's something we're doing, we don't even realize it's sin, Lord. Reveal it to us. Help us not justify our sins. Help us to realize what they are. And help us, Lord, to just repent of them and trust in your Son. And fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can live consistently out the faith that we have in Jesus Christ before all the world to know that he is our everything. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the, 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 the gospel message that we have is a message that, right, that brings good news. It's something we need to hold on to, especially in today's world. You know, it declares that there's true hope, there's true purpose, true security, true rescue, true peace, and true meaning, true meaning and true freedom. All because there's now a, a true and one and only way to be right with God. And all that is found in Jesus Christ and more. This gospel message of the grace of God that God loves sinners, and He sent His Son out of love for sinners so that we could have salvation. 
He sent his son to do all the work required. He sent his son to be the the perfect sacrifice on our behalf, to die in our place so that we can, by faith in Christ alone, be fully restored to God and have eternal life. I mean, that's good news. You know, this this great news, this this is the uplifting news for all of us and, and the world around us to say that there is a way to be right with God and it's through faith in Christ alone. All of God's demands upon you and me have been met and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we just trust in Him alone. Or to put it more directly, more bluntly, if you have faith in Christ when you die and you meet God face to face, and if He were to ask you this question, I don't know what He's going to ask, but if He were to ask you this question, why should I let you into my heaven? Because we have faith in Christ, our answer would be, you should not let me into heaven because of anything that I have done. The only reason why you should let me into heaven is because I trusted in your son and that he has done everything for me. That is a true relief. That's, that's the good news that we live under and live by. To know that Jesus has done it all for us. The weight of of making it right with God is no longer placed upon you and me, but has all been accomplished in Jesus Christ on our behalf by faith in Him alone. That's it. And, And through Christ's accomplishments for you, He then gives you all the spiritual blessings. He gives you grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. For in a nutshell, Christ now is our everything. His gospel message says He is your everything now. You have been given the life-changing news that Christ is the source for everything that you are and everything that you have and everything that you do. It all comes in and from Him and back to Him. There's no part of your life now that is not related to Christ. For you have been given the truth about how he is over everything in this world and over you. And we have been granted that, have been granted to see that now through faith alone in Jesus. He is our foundation now. All of our thoughts and interactions and emotions and deeds and philosophies, social issues, political issues, whatever it is. They are all now to be filtered through Christ alone by faith in Him. For He is the truth, He is the way, He is the light. So we're called to constantly keep the gospel message of God's grace at the center and at the forefront of our minds. Because without faith in Christ, without Jesus in our life, we ultimately have nothing and sadly amount to ultimately nothing. And I know that is hard to comprehend. I have a hard time comprehending that too. But it's the truth. Jesus is our only hope, and that's it. And I know that sounds harsh, but again, it's, it's truth. It's the biblical reality of the world and all. All who are in it. Jesus is the only answer we have. 
And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be edgy. I'm just stating the facts that the Bible lays out. That's it. And in our text today, that's what Paul's going to go over. How truly hopeless this world and all the people who are in it are without Christ. And by seeing this reality of how helpless we were, since we're now believers, how were we are without Christ in our own personal life and how helpless the, the people in the world are without Christ in their life, this will deepen our understanding of seeing how amazing the love and grace of God is over us now and encourage us to trust in Christ by faith all the more with our life and to, tr- and to truly know that he has done everything for us by faith in him. So we are to look to him for everything. And hopefully it will encourage us then to speak the wonders of Christ to those in our life who don't know him. And to reveal that truly he is the answer that everyone needs. So our title today is Christians are not, ho- are, are not hopeless. Right? We're not hopeless. Now let's look at the text then of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. Now again for this context, right? Paul has just stated that the Ephesians, or really all Christians... Have been, have, been a, have been freed to live as one people in the Lord. Both Jew and Gentile now are one people of God now because of what Christ has done. They are Christians. They are one body of Christ. That is how they have been freed. We have been freed to see ourselves as Christians. We have been freed to live as as one people in the Lord, both Jew and Gentile. For Christ has made them one, and they are one people now spiritually in Him. We are one people now spiritually in Him. And we and they are called to reflect that by their interactions with each other, all through faith in Christ. That That is, by looking to Jesus and His finished works, to enable them and strengthen them to live as one people. And now Paul is going to focus on how they are now to live in this world in all things, in all places, which, which is referring to all of us too, that we are all to do it by looking to Jesus by faith alone. Paul says in verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Right from the beginning here, you have Paul saying, Now this I say and testify unto the Lord, meaning that Paul is saying, Pay attention to what I'm going to say here, because it's very urgent and very important. Paul is essentially appealing to all the authority he possibly can to what he's about to say, and to have a very convicting but yet uplifting manner in our life. And this brings us to our first point. Remember Christ and what he has done. And he does that here basically by saying, in the Lord. Meaning, I am appealing to the Lord. I am appealing to my Lord and to your Lord. I am appealing to the one who has freed us from the power of sin in our life. Who has freed us from the power of death over our life 
who has freed us from the power of the world which surrounds our life. Paul is saying, I am appealing to the Lord and his authority over you and I to his great interest that we have been saved to. Freedom in him. This is what I'm appealing to. So in essence, Paul is saying, I am appealing to our Jesus who is our everything. For example, our everything, like when things break down and when people let us down, when things don't go right, when we mess up and sin and sin hard, when our hearts are broken, when we feel the pain of our bodies breaking, or if everything gets taken away from us, I'm appealing to the Lord who is sufficient for us in this life for all things. Because he is Lord over our life now and knows exactly what we need. And our need is him and him alone. And he has come and died for us, forgiving us of our past and present and future sins and no longer holds our sins against us and now only works all things in our favor in him by faith in him alone. I am appealing to this Lord of your life that you must No longer walk as the Gentiles do. And that phrase is extraordinary. For that phrase is not a sum of the time thing, but an all the time thing. The no longer walk is referring to lifestyle. It is how we live and interact and how we think in all things on this earth. If you're breathing right now, you're on this earth. Just want to bring that to your reality. Paul is saying we are to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And Gentiles here, just for context, Paul is referring to anyone who does not have faith in Christ. Because remember, again, both Jew and Gentile are now one people in the Lord spiritually. We are Christians. That's how we're called to see ourselves and identify ourselves. The one body of Christ. So Paul is saying because we are Christians by faith, In Christ, as the one people of God, we are, as Christians, or we are Christians because of who we believe in, and not by what we do, we are no longer then to live like the unbelieving world at all. And that should make you pause for a moment, because again, this is not just a part-time thing, this is an all-the-time thing. We must no longer walk or live like the Gentiles, like the Gentile world. Our whole life, Paul is saying, should reflect what we believe. Not that we do things so we can believe, but we, but we believe and that's why we should no longer live like the unbelieving world does. Or to put it bluntly, Live in a way that shows we believe in a Savior who has saved us fully and is where we find our everything. For we are in the world, but not of the world. Paul is saying we are of Christ. We are now Christians, people who have been freed from the world's power, though we live in it. We have been freed from having our Lives be burdened to match those around us. 
We have been freed from slavishly living according to the tyrannical ways of the world. We have been freed from being trapped in their values. We have been freed from living in fear of everything. We have been freed from trying to relentlessly control outcomes in our life to work in our favor. God is doing that now. Freed from the world's stifling grip upon our life, which would just make us another number, another statistic, another casualty, another run of the mill in its system of death. No matter how much we exhaustively tried to run from it or to challenge it, we have been freed from such a horrible treadmill of life. We're not hopeless. So Paul says, because we are freed by our Lord, right? I'm appealing to the Lord, your Lord, my Lord. We must not live like the world then. We are to no longer look to the world for anything. We are to look to Christ for our everything. Or to put it differently, we are to process everything we are, everything we do and see and all the relationships that we are in, all the media we take in, all the hobbies we have, all the comforts of life that we possess, we are to process all of it through Christ and through his gospel, which is ultimately revealed in his word, through scripture. He is our Lord. So what he says goes. This is, he is the giver of truth, the truth. He is the giver of true meaning and purpose. And again, without him, we have nothing. Now, I want you to notice something here. Paul says, no longer walk. Guess what that means? Christians were walking or living in some areas of life as non-believers do, even though they have faith in Christ. That's why Paul is saying, no longer do such things. See, Paul is saying, you do not need to do such things. See, we think we need the world's ways. He's saying, you don't need it. Paul's saying, you don't need to do such things. You don't need to live in such ways because you have Christ now. You have been freed from the worldly ways. You are not enslaved to such things. You have Christ as Lord over your life now by faith in him alone. So you are now to go to him for your everything. To put it more bluntly, you have been freed from exhaustively trying to find your value and purpose and security and rescue in the world. So stop doing such things and look to Christ. He is all that for you. And he has accomplished all that for you. You can rest in him, receive him, rely upon him to satisfy you rather than relying upon your sin, which will never truly satisfy. And that is the struggle, is it not? <laughs> I mean, that's why we sin. We forget that Christ is the only one who can quench our soul and give us rest and give us peace to be content with our life. We all too often 
and easily look to the world for such things. We fall into the temptation that the world and its ways can give us rest. The only thing that Christ can do. We look to the world and fall into the temptations that it can give us peace. True peace, but it can't. Only Christ can give you peace. We look to the world and its ways for satisfaction. But Christ can only satisfy. All by his loving grace alone by faith in him. We so easily think we have to do more, be more, gather more, protect more in this world. But Christ has given us the greatest gift we can ever have. This amazing inheritance. What is it? It's eternal life by faith in him alone. As his family, he has given us himself so that he becomes our source for everything. And that is the fight of faith. Having faith in Christ alone every day to see him as your and our sufficiency for everything. Because guess what? Every day we have to deal with a world that screams Christ is not enough. It screams his sovereign hand upon you in this world is weak and not enough. It screams that he has not done it all for you. It screams his victory is not a real victory for you. It screams that he cares not for you and he's holding things back from you. So you have to take care of it yourself according to your ways or the world's ways to get things done by your standards or the world's standards because it's all on you and God only does so much. It gets right up to your face and says, if you keep trusting in Christ and keep looking to him for your everything, you will end up doing nothing and being nothing and end up just dying for nothing. The world arrogantly points its finger at you and me and says, if you keep trusting in Christ and learning more about his gospel of grace through his word, If you keep trusting in grace, you'll end up just being a worthless, lazy person. But as one person said, grace has never made me lazy. It's the only thing to keep me from giving up. But anyways, as we can see from this text, So far, the Ephesians, okay, the Ephesians were struggling with being tempted to go back to their old ways of life or being tempted to keep following after the ways of the world in their life in the moment, which they should not, just like we do every day. If you think you're not struggling with the ways of the world right now, you're wrong. You need to read more scripture. You need to trust, you need to see what the meaning of grace means. It means you get what you don't deserve at all. But what is amazing, (laughs) what's amazing when you look at this is that even still, even though they were failing and sinning by having the world's ways within them, okay? Paul says, no more, stop. By still, even still being stringed along after the world, even though they have faith in Christ. What is amazing and so encouraging 
is that they were still loved. And they were still favored by God. Who still was giving them blessing upon blessing upon them because they were under his grace. They were called in the very beginning of this book, the saints. We're the saints. They were said they were given all the spiritual blessings in Christ. They were said they've been adopted as his family. They have been brought up in the heavenly places. They have, God has done everything for them in Jesus, even though they were failing him. Just like we do every day. And this is important to realize, for this passage then reminds us that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works. Saved by Christ's perfect performance on our behalf. And by reminding us who Christ is and what he has done, right? The Lord, I'm feeling to the Lord. That's what changes us to live as we should before him. That's what changes us, not out of fear, not out of need or duty, but out of gratitude for what he has done for us. That's what melts our hearts to want to obey him, out of love for him. Because we love him, we want, we would want to. Not to gain salvation, but because we have salvation. That's why we want. Christ says, if you love me, follow my commandments. Not to make us saved, just realizing what he's done for us. And that's what causes us to love him. So to press this in and encourage us even more than to rely upon Christ and, and his empowerment by his grace to change us and to stop looking to the world, Paul says, realize that without Christ, the unbelieving world is truly a mess in this life and is purposeless. So to take in any of its ways, I mean anything, and to look for it for any hope in your life or the hope of this world will really just bring nothing to you. Which is why he says, in the futility of their minds. And this brings us to our second point. And our last point. Remember, all the purpose we need is in Christ. Paul straight up says, the ways of the unbelieving world with all its, its goals and values are aiming at ultimately nothing. It's like eating a box of cereal of corn pops. It just does not fill you up. You just eat as much as you want. It's not going to do anything. Futility here means empty, void, goals that amount to nothing. And by saying mind, he's referring to the intellect so that the way unbelievers ultimately think the way they view the world ultimately is basically with no substance to it. So they learn, they enhance, they run, they climb, destroy, remake, gather, unite, disperse, go from one place to another, create world wonders, destroy world wonders, create cures, create death machines, begin wars, end wars, free the oppressed, make others oppressed, promote politics, deny politics, avenge loved ones, create families, destroy families, and so on and so on and so on. All for what, Paul says? Ultimately, nothing. Paul says that no matter how much non-believers think things through, without Christ, it's all for nothing. Futile. No eternal value. No ultimate goal is ever reached. 
Sure, maybe in the moment something is reached, but guess what? Nothing lasts. It all breaks and it all goes to someone else. It all makes sense until someone smarter than you shows up with something seemingly greater and then you become a nobody or possibly even the bad guy, even though just a few moments ago you were the good guy. It all goes for naught. See, as Christians, unlike the world, we have true purpose. We are being conformed to the image of Christ. We have been freed to follow after Christ in all things because we want to. We have the truth. Our hearts have been changed. We now process the world in such a way that glorifies God so that all we do and everything it is has ultimate meaning now and purpose. As the old poem goes, when this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then Lord help, then then help me Lord with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, Paul is saying here, we are not left to ourselves to figure out life and what this world is all about. When we die, the truth we have found does not die with us. Truth and purpose doesn't cease to exist because we cease to exist in the moment in in this life, even though we go up to heaven. No, it carries on for us in Christ. For Christ still rules. His ways are still here. His words are still here. His purpose is being done even though our death, even through our death. His purpose is being accomplished in this world for we have true purpose and meaning now to glorify Him with all we do. This created order was made for Him. There is always hope for us. For our Lord, He reigns. And our lives have been free to reflect such truth. Our lives are now called to show that God's ways are the right ways. How he views the world is the right way. He sets the standards. He provides the definitions. He provides the origins and destinations and purpose of all things. And we can see all of that now through his word. We have been freed to live and see such truths as revealed in Scripture. And even more to the point, in our world, He is the one who knows how to deal with all the evil that's in it. And through His Word that He has laid out, we, are, we, we see on how we're called to handle the evil. And the ultimate way of doing this is presenting the gospel message to the evil by the way, which includes you and me. The greatest battle is not out there, it's in here. With Christ, we have been freed from trying to figure it all out. We, have, we just by faith rest and receive him. We trust him to guide us and direct us. But sadly, too often we trust in ourselves and others and it ends up just causing more problems for us. Or I'll be more blunt. For our context of life. 
our politicians, our social warriors, our media talking heads, our leaders in any sense will not save the world. And we need not to look to them to do it. Without Christ, all of them will lead people straight to hell. Some ways may be a little bit more bumpy than others. I'll admit that. But it really doesn't matter what side you're on or how much liberation is given. All will go straight to hell without Christ. For the goal of the world... Okay, understand this. I need to remember this. The goal of the world in all cases, it wants to make little of Christ as Savior and make itself as the great Savior. And many times, I fall prey to such thoughts. And I have to be refreshed by the gospel that Christ has done it all for me and that He is the answer for all. And by trusting in Him alone, trusting in His ways, He alone will and is making a difference in the world. And one of those ways He is accomplishing that difference through me, and through you, is simply by trusting in Him. That's the message we bring to the world, the good news that Christ has done it all for us by faith in Him. See, in this one verse, Paul is saying, trust in Christ, you have all the hope, you have all the answers you need in Him, and He is the hope and the answer this world needs. So we should take heart, the gospel in which we believe and remember how truly free we are now in Christ. And through trusting in Him, we will be enabled to leave behind our old empty ways of life our old ways of, and lifestyles and our empty thoughts of this world to be conformed to Him, His truth, which is laid out in Scripture. For the world is cursed by sin, so let us not look to the world, for the curse of the sin has been broken over us by faith in Christ. So before we take the Lord's Supper today, I want to read a Scripture to you to reflect on so that you can be encouraged to trust in Christ even more and trust in his finished works on your behalf. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an unhibited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends, it, it's, uh, that sends out its roots by the stream, and it does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's all by faith in Jesus. That's what that means. So as we're going to go to the Lord's Supper. Deacons, please come on forward. We're going to go ahead and pass the elements around. And I want to give you a reminder of why we take the Lord's Supper and and why. We take the Lord's Supper not because we're good enough. You cannot keep the law on your own. The law is there to expose your sin. So if you're feeling, oh man, I got a lot of sins. Welcome to the club. But if you have faith in Christ, you are under grace. And we take the Lord's Supper here to remember why he died, to forgive us of our sins. We are under grace. You are never good enough to take this. Ever. We take it because we say we trust in Christ. 
and his finished works and his performance on our behalf. So if there's sin in your life, let it go. If you're having a hard time, you struggle with something, right? Maybe you're like, man, I keep sinning. I keep lusting. I keep getting angry. I, I don't, I, go to Christ and trust in him. Say, Lord, I failed you again, but I know you will forgive me. If there's relationship problems in your life, go to Christ and say, God, help me forgive. Go to him and stop looking to yourself. Stop looking to the other person to say sorry. Look to Jesus who has forgiven you. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to have the deacons pass out the elements. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We come before the Lord's Supper, Lord, to know that you have died for us and that you're coming back. For truly, you are a mighty God. And without you, we have nothing. But you have given us everything in Jesus. Help us to trust in you now. And if there's sin in our heart, Lord, that we're holding on to, help us repent of it and leave it behind and cling to the cross. Even though we may fail again and again and again, we live by faith alone. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.